Welcome, everybody. Good Life Housing Partners. It is our weekly podcast today. This is 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 Monday, November 6, 2023, episode 127. We're sitting here on a fairly benign week, just weeks to Thanksgiving, just a few more weeks to Christmas. And uh, the holiday season is upon us, Mr. David Fong. Where does this find you, my friend? Yes, it's it's silently and quickly creeping up on us. Um, it finds me well. Like you said, we're just, just getting ready before the big uh, Thanksgiving holiday season. Um, just to finish off, I think on our last episode, we had a sort of midweek episode. We were talking about the Fed a little bit. Um, one big report came out since we last spoke, uh, which was the jobs report. Yes. And so the jobs report actually, um, you know, employers, the number was employers added 150,000 jobs in October, which is actually a good number because it's half the amount from September's number. Yeah. And it's the smallest increase monthly since June. And so. Um, Isn't 150 like the zero? What do you mean? Isn't that like the, the number that uh, in when the economy's running normally, that's just the number of new workers into the workforce? Yeah, that's it. Well, it's, it's jobs added. It, it, the unemployment rate ticked up a little bit. Right. But is it 150? When they add 150,000 jobs, that's like just adding like just regular new workers to the workforce. Correct. Like, so that's like any, that's, if you're at 200, yeah. you actually like, you've actually exceeded just normal hiring. That's not my. Oh, you think you it. think at 150? I don't know if it's the baseline. That's I think 150 is the baseline. From executive producer Jason, if you don't mind checking for us. So unemployment. Drifted up to 3.9% mm-hmm. um, for, for the month instead of 3.8%. So it ticked up a little bit, so, which yeah. is, I guess, a another data point that hopefully uh, Powell will like in, yeah. in his um, Uncle Jerome will in, like in yes. his bouncing act. Um, three sectors, only three sectors accounted basically for all of the job growth this past month. Um, and the three sectors are healthcare, government employment, and leisure and hospitality again, which has been super strong. Yes. Over the last few months. Um, Although I think that's starting to change. Yeah, but it's but, but, but it, we are poised now to see with this slower growth, um, we're poised to see consumer spending slow down a little bit more. Wage growth also uh, decreased a bit. And so that's also another positive sign. The other thing that happened last Thursday, Friday was um, Treasury Department surprised the market and um, in announcing sort of their future plans for issuing long-term debt and their actions, you know, everyone expected them to say they're going to, you know, want to sell more treasuries. Um, but they said that they're going to auction a smaller amount than expected. They're still increasing the amount mm-hmm. of treasuries they're going to sell over the next few months. But it was a lot smaller than everyone expected. And so as a result, the 10-year treasury, which is a big benchmark uh, for a lot of things, and especially for interest rates on mortgages and things, um, it had peaked, as we talked about in the past to 5% and sort of went up slightly over and it, it now has dropped to 4.5% after this, so, which is a, you know, 50 basis points is, is a, is a pretty meaningful drop. So it's a good that, sign. So yeah. Was, these are all kind of so good signs. Nice little, little present from the you know, pleasant the surprise from treasury department. Yeah. So we're to, you know, cause people thought we'd be issuing more because deficit and other things and, you know, it gets people more and more concerned about the faults and things. So that was, that was another good uh, piece, piece of news. Uh, Cushman and Wakefield now has joined CBRE um, in predicting that the full recovery, you know, they feel commercial real estate's in the general sort of slumping uh, part of the market cycle now. They don't think that we will have a, a market, full market recovery, at least in the brokerage world, in, in terms of transactions and, and getting brokerage commissions up for them. 
uh, until the second half of 2024. So uh, consistent with CBRE, Cushman, and Wakefield now feels the, uh, the same thing. It's funny how they're always like in line like that, isn't it? Like, it's not like they're like, oh, we think it's 2026. Like, <laughs> they're <Yeah>. like, <laughs> or they're complete opposite. Like, no, yeah. crazy. No, they don't just, no, they don't get like, I was actually thinking, like, one of, you know, how like you have stock where I was watching this, the market. Like, it would be cool to have, a, like, an index of cities and see how, like, cities are, like, getting worse or better. And you could, like, track them like stocks. Yeah. I mean, put them on some kind of, like, you know, illustration. of you're, you're, As you're moving your hands, I've seen, yeah. like, a scale. And so, yeah. uh, anyways. Well, that, that, uh, good you know, for Cushman. Well, well that hey, also, Cushman. you know, it, it's good you mentioned that some cities are up and down. Cause, yeah. You know, I did see another Realtor.com report where it talked about, uh, you know, overall rent growth is, is flattened Fine. nationally, and uh, but in, but there are some cities that that where we see yes. like like Boston yes. and and Oklahoma and City, Oklahoma City, <laughs> the city where we invest in. Um, <laughs> Oklahoma City, the main reason they said it also is a factor of affordability, it's just affordability, it's affordability. It's so so that's I don't know what Boston was. What was Boston? I didn't read Boston. Well, they were saying that Boston and some of the East Coast cities are actually on a rise, and the West Coast cities are on a decrease. Uh, you know, even though cost of living is you know, generally higher on the yeah. East Coast, uh, but they just said that, the, that? that some of the pricing has gone down at, at, hmm. on the on the uh, what, on the East Coast, and more people are wanting to move there. And then now the rent prices are going back up. So, and then you you've also had cities like Cincinnati and Cleveland and Indianapolis that also, and and Bir- good old Birmingham, Alabama, Birmingham. Are 4%, yeah. I've been there where, where rents have uh, have been growing, uh, but this general softening. Has led to, um, you know, I think every one of those cities is less than a million people that you just mentioned. Yeah, just look at the list. Yeah, you're right. Every one of those cities. <laughs> less less than a million people. Um, Google has uh, uh, canceled an agreement they had, a big agreement they had with Lendlease. They're they're working on some mega projects with Lendlease in uh, sort of the Bay Area in San Jose. Oh yeah, 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 and they were had these grand plans um, which they. You know, signed this contract a few years ago, um, where they were you know trying to build like you know, fifteen thousand homes, new new homes and and smart homes, all this kind of stuff. And there's some retail and office space, wow. and office space. But now uh, they basically, I guess they're you know, according to Lendlease, they're still getting paid for what they did, but they basically canceled the agreement. Google says does it make sense in the current market to pursue the exact plans? They haven't really explained what they're going to do. Although mm-hmm. San Jose, the city, the mayor is still confident that. Google will help, you know, build some new apartments and things. Uh, but if you look if, at the commercial real estate side of Google, if there's any indication, they also had about 1.3 million square feet of office space oh, yeah. that they're subleasing to us yeah, that they yeah, don't yeah. want. Shit. And it's all, again, the impact of the, the hybrid working and, and just a little bit of a slump in the, in the tech market, too. Yeah. Now, on the slump, so that's the slumping side. So let's look at some, I, I found some interesting articles about things that are, getting popular these days so medical office buildings is yeah. now the time Those to are... buy so apparently it's it's a it, it's a you know, some articles were talking about how medical is is sort of a it is an asset to to take a serious hard look at um because of the affordable care act and our aging population and advances in medical t- technology just statistically the trend has been you know we're just more and more patients more yeah. and more people who uh it is a suited for you to go to a, a hospital to go get any care and so these you know a lot more things are being outpatient out you know and and you know you need certain office buildings that are kind of specialized and from an investor standpoint 
um, these tenants, there's basically an 80% plus renewal rate, and they're fairly long leases, five to 10 year leases at times. Um, and, you know, a lot of these tenants don't move because if they spend a lot of investments in putting in medical equipment and other things. It's huge TI dollars. So, yeah, it's huge TI dollars. And so, um, so it's, it's starting to come into its own as a uh, you know, investment class. class. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Historically, 50% of the sector is owned by the users, hospital providers and physician groups. Yeah. But now more and more investors are, are starting to get into the space. And, you know, it, I think you, you talked to a few investors in that space who are doing that and, no, it I think they like do a, good. I think, yeah, I think it is a good uh, investment. I think it's complicated, though. I think it's a complex space to be in. And what, are some, what are some of the, the complexities of the TIs? I think the TIs are complicated and they're expensive. And I think that it, there is a synergistic effect that happens when all these guys start officing together. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to create that a lot. I don't know how easy that is. Either. No, that sort of tenant. Attracting yeah. tenants and also combining tenants. Yeah, that are all in the same vertical or yeah. whatever. I mean, we were talking. Who were we talking to? Somebody. They were like, they basically they create medical like office business parks, and then mm -hmm. they'll bring in like different people different and then condo it out. Hospital and yeah. other groups. They'll condo everything out. Interesting. I think it's complicated. Uh, another area that's that's growing in popularity is food halls. Food halls are rapidly. Expanding. I feel like those were super, like they were growing super fast in the pandemic hit, yes. and anything common was like, like over, and so they sort of paused out for a minute. Well, no, but they're, uh, well, they're growing popular. Uh, historically, they've grown popular in urban areas like New yeah. York City. Oh yeah, you're like, talking about suburban cities. food halls. Yeah, but suburban food halls oh, rapidly because of the change of hybrid work. Yeah, people, you know, now it's not just a lunch crowd; maybe it's the evening crowd, and they're sort of the you know, popularity of, of uh, foodie culture. Yes. <laughs> so um, they're, they're starting to uh, increase. And the definition of this, you know, because I started thinking, well, what's really different from a food hall versus a food court in a mall? Or a yeah. traditional shopping center, I was thinking. And I guess that the, the main difference is it's a collection of small restaurants with shared right. feeding. But uh, they generally tend to avoid national tenants. There's non credit. Yeah, I was going to say it's, it's a, all non credit. And it's a variety of gourmet and ethnically yeah. diverse cuisines. Yeah. And, and you know, they're, but their main goal is to target customers willing to spend 15 bucks yeah. for uh, artisanal sandwiches and, and, you know, food from West Africa or <laughs> stuff inspired by Asian open markets. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so, uh, yeah, so, so just to give you a sense of the numbers, uh, currently the U.S. has 364 food halls and expect another 120 more to open by the end of the next year wow 364 and 364 with 120 more to come in the next yeah. year and 10 years ago let's go back 10 years ago this pre-pandemic now 10 years ago only 35 existed <laughs> so this concept has really grown yeah and i think it's taken advantage of also probably especially with suburbs with malls trying to yeah. reinvent themselves this is Definitely. Uh, I actually never seen actually a mall that's been converted into food hall. That's a good idea. Well, well you've seen, seen them. In, well, you've seen like, like in Westfield Century City, they have a lot. They're kind of like a food food hall, a little higher end kind of. See, I think it's not like your food, food court. court. No, but they got. It's not really no, national they, brands. No, but they have. Uh, like the Italy. Isn't Shake Shack in there? Shake Shack that's is in there, mall. but they've got some. Italy's on its own concept on the other well, side. Well, Italy's an example of what they call the food hall, too. 
So, so. Oh, because it's got multiple. Yeah, and Chelsea Market is the Chelsea Market City is, is the one. classic one. Faneuil Hall, yeah, Boston, yeah. even Grand Central. Yeah, Grand Central. Actually, that's right. When I was in the Grand Central, I'm the Grand Central Market here. Oh, Grand Central. Okay, okay, okay. But yes, Grand Central in New York. New York yes, they have that. They, they actually changed it. Yeah, they, they, they have a bunch of uh, food options. In yeah. there. It's actually quite cool. Yeah, when I was there a few weeks, I had. I wonder if the rents there. are there. It's got to be crazy. Um, another interesting um, area retail. Uh, is strip malls. Yeah. Strip malls are actually having their moment now. I think they are. Uh, and, and again, I'm not talking about uh, grocery anchored or big box anchored, you know, retail centers. And, and then obviously we're not talking about malls, which is just your local, little, yeah. little small little strip mall. Well, the, I, I love that play. And I think you, you've you got, and we have a, I've looked at a bunch of these in the last couple of years, really the last year, because I think it's a really interesting alternative. But you finish what you... No, I was just going to say, so... They're uh, known as the "quote unquote" convenience properties. Yes, they're close to the road, so yes. they allow drivers quick and easy access. Yes. And in this day and age of where it used to be, you know, you 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 drop the kids off at school, as I remember doing, yeah, when I was younger, and you drive straight to the office, right? Stop. Now there's much more stopping to grab co- coffee, but also run errands between, right. and get food and do things between Zoom calls. Or, yes. Or because of working from home, you're yes. been into the FedEx or the UPS right. store. Right. It's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, our, our, so the annual visits to strip malls have increased by 18% alone just from last year. Oh, so, I can see that. So totally. it's, it's, it's totally growing. And, and when you look at the data, too, it's interesting because they actually, not only are the visits increasing, uh, there's more visits, although they're quicker, shorter duration. Yeah. Um, and it also covers a bigger trade area than most shopping centers typically do, like people because because of people yes. driving through and from, yes. from uh, yes. out of areas. Yes. Yes. And so um, there's actually a, one company that actually just um, uh, combined them all together. In the old days, you used to think it wouldn't make sense because strip property, strip malls were kind of looked down upon. And um, they're they're putting together a, a, a fairly large uh, uh, strip mall REIT, which uh, would have been unthinkable. But like B, like B quality. B quality REIT, yeah. So I, I actually, I don't know, I want to know that company, but I actually think that strip malls, especially ones that have like internet, like resisted businesses. Mm-hmm. So like your FedEx, your Boba shop, your, your haircut, haircut place, yeah. your gym. Like you're, the things you have to actually go to are super interesting, and I think on the, and the longer scale, you actually have this whole other phenomenon that over time, because these locations are so, they're usually on corners or they're usually on like you know very busy arteries of cities that that you know big piece of land that over like the next ten, twenty, thirty years that they become like tremendous covered land place for new apartments. <laughs> And I, think, I, I actually think that it's a very like because you could actually because they've also repriced much more because they their repricing started 15 years ago during the GFC. Mm-hmm. So they're actually now they trade where we're trying to get multifamily to trade, but they trade in the six, seven range in, in Los Angeles. And if you go outside, they trade even higher. Mm. So they've already traded to where you can get value at strip malls at like, you know, where where at or above where interest rates are. Oh, interesting. Well, the vacancy. And it's there's no vacancy. Tight, yeah, it's very tight sell high. So there's no vacancy. National vacancy is 5.3%. And the average asking rents are, uh, at least in the third quarter of 2023, uh, $20.37 yeah. per foot. 
So, uh, you know, along with food halls, medical office buildings, strip malls, there's, there's something to uh, to take a look at. No, no, strip malls are super interesting. I've been into it. I haven't, I haven't found I found anything except for our little Fulton one. I haven't found much, but there's some good ones. I think that I think it's a super interesting asset class. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I saw news since since our last podcast only a few days ago was uh, uh, there was this big lawsuit that was reached on the ah. with the National Association of Realtors. Yes. We didn't talk about houses as much because we're not in the home buying and flipping business. But apparently a federal jury found that the National Association of Realtors and several other large brokerages had conspired to keep agent commissions, broker commissions, artificially high. And they awarded $1.8 billion in damages. And putting aside to how this will lead to actually more lawsuits and things, but at least from the brokerage business, this is going to have a big effect, they say, on uh, brokerage commissions. Um, NAR, which is National Association of Realtors, is comprised of 1.5 million members and generally they, you know, owners of houses that are selling homes are charged five to six percent fees, which are paid by the seller, but it goes to the seller's agent and the buyer's agent. And the house. And, and the house, yes. And the so, house. And, and we're talking about roughly a hundred billion dollars a year of commissions. Yeah. According to, to study. Um, and so now um, it used to be you really had no choice, but to, you know, sort of standard practice. That's what you paid. Really, yeah. maybe you can negotiate a little bit. Uh, but now the effect of this decision, there's a lot of things that can happen. Commission sharing now is optional. So the selling agent doesn't have to necessarily share his fee with the, with the buyers. Um, this is going to probably result in new different fee structures for if you're a, a broker who represents buyers only. Yeah. Uh, maybe now it'll be flat fees or hourly billing, or maybe you have a menu of services. Okay, I'll provide X services right. and you pay me X fees. But it's definitely going to uh, revolutionize what is charged. Um, they predict that uh, you know this this could eat, could potentially wipe out thirty percent of, of those hundred billion dollars of fees. I think so. Here, as, as buyer agents, um, you know, may not be used at all. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think Zillow and some of these services also at one point tried to have stuff advertised yeah. with with no commissions or minimal commissions. They still so, do. So yeah, but but they were having a hard time with that model. But then because the, everyone's so used to the traditional model, there was sort of this monopoly. And the main reason was because if you didn't agree to that commission set in the NAR form, then you don't get listed on their MLS. Mm. So you lose oh, eyeballs that. on that. And so because you're prohibiting access to MLS, they're saying you can't do that. And so this is sort of the, the conspiracy theory they had. Um, so, of course, they've appealed. Right. <laughs> so we'll see. But, uh, you know, could could be cheaper costs for home buyers yeah. or sellers. We'll see. We'll see. But but it also may lead to an exodus of people working yeah. as brokers too, because now there's not as many fees out there. It's going to be much more competitive. Although you know, if you look at it to some degree, the the exodus has been going on for the last year and a half as inventory has like like reached such low levels. I think there that exodus started probably a couple of years ago. Sure. Well, and there's not as many transactions because there's, there's, just, there's no inventory. There's no transactions. Anyway, that's all the news I have from the, from the last few days, I guess, as our podcast. How about some content? Uh, so content, uh, what did I watch? I actually almost done with uh, Suits, by the way. Yes, oh my God, <laughs> all 10 seasons? Jesus Christ. No, no, five seasons, five seasons. I'm in the middle, almost at the Isn't end of season five. Seasons? I think it's, I thought it was five seasons. No. Is there 10? I think it was 10. That much I think there's a lot more seasons. No. I can't imagine. It My wife is because, on like season seven or eight or something thought, like that. Because I'm on season five and 
the the young lawyer or whatever character he he was just named for junior partner and i was thinking like can't get who mike mike was just nominated for junior partner at pearson yeah pearson specter lit oh <laughs> so, yeah 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 bro so, there's more seasons no, there's more seasons him, oh there's more they can do with that yeah you've got some more seasons to watch <laughs> okay, maybe I'm wrong. the other the other thing i watched it in in um in anticipation of F1 coming to Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. Because I watched the... This week? No, no. November 19th, two weeks. Oh, two weeks. Two more Jesus weekends. Christ. And so uh, I was curious. Well, you know, other than it knowing it's some kind of race. <laughs> so I watched the, the first two episodes. Of it. Oh. I guess, you know, this. it's interesting because... Uh, they say that thing when you watch that really changes your change view your of view. F1. Yeah, it does make you realize, like, oh, you know... How it's, challenging it's, it is. And all well, that. how challenging also, like, at the amount of money that the companies are spending yeah for those cars and the, the whole situation and the whole yeah. situation like it's yeah. a lot of money yeah it's a lot and it's and, a lot. and it's and, and there's also i guess you know the season began about uh i guess uh, the prior season or, or, or yeah. whatever i guess uh ferrari has been in a slump and, oh yeah and yeah yeah, yeah. Now and, and it, was, it showed some of the owner of the teams and stuff People and all to the owners of ferrari and how it's like a pride thing and yeah how, like you know you know we can't be like you know being put to shame by yeah <laughs> embarrassed by mercedes and and you know hustle motors and all these other yeah car companies and so like it's and you know then you got this the upstarts which were like the americans the red bull the yeah. red bull racing team yeah and so i was like legit i was like yeah there's like uh interesting drama here yeah on, on this circuit of you know i think of the f1 baby yeah, f1 so uh, very interesting. Yeah, so, no, it is interesting. It is interesting. I'm watching uh, Neon, which is a, a story about uh, some some dude who's trying to become a reggaeton star. But what's tough? Yeah, it's very interesting because he goes like I don't know where he's from. He's from somewhere. He goes to Miami to become like a reggaeton star. And um, but what's pretty funny about it is it's like it's just very like it's definitely set in like very modern age with like. All these like woke concepts and like you know like and young people have a very different worldview. Like it's it's interesting. Yeah, but it's in, it's in the U.S. He's well, to... it's in Miami. Oh, it's in Miami. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, but it's good. It's a, it's a, I would I didn't think I would like it, but I sort of am intrigued by some of the things like they talk about and stuff. They're like pretty wokey, <laughs> pretty interesting. Um, any upgrades? Uh, no new upgrades other than. Like... Got a new shirt on. I don't know. Let's see. The Collar & Co? Little Collar & Co show. Oh, got, they got you on the subscription. Jason was surprised when I put it on this morning. Oh, very oh, nice. Oh, that's a shiny shirt you got there. Yeah. They are shiny shirts. I like them, though. I like them. Um, what about you? Heavy upgrades? Uh, we're considering getting an e-bike. That was one. We're considering. We haven't get, we haven't pulled the trigger just yet. Um, what was the other thing? That what, kind of, what kind of e-bike? Like, just like one. Is like, it just like a one that's fully... This is basically like a motorbike. Almost. No, 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 no. It's a pedal assist. Uh-huh. So you bike, and then when you need help, it kicks in, like going up a hill or something. Because uh-huh. so people have them in our air, in our neighborhood, and they like take their kids to school and stuff. And but like, do they oh, make do them that. powerful enough to like almost not a motorcycle, obviously, but like basically it, it, the reason I ask the question is because one of the funny instances I've had here in, in Bunker Hill <laughs> where tried to ride the electric scooters and there's some pretty steep hills yes yeah, so and i noticed and i you know i'm 180 
pounds. And so I noticed when I was heading up that steep hill, like it just died on me. And I realized like these these electric scooters can't can't handle the hill. No, no, no. The and so I was wondering, can the e-bike, you know, and and I and I wouldn't on a regular bike be able to pedal it myself. No, no, no. So I just thought I need a bike that would hit no, the, the e-bike can do, the hill. I've done it with an e-bike. It, that thing can really move up a hill. Okay. All right. Like it's not hard at all. all. Right. Cool. Um, yeah, I've done it. It's not that's pretty cool actually. E-bikes are good. No, we've we've so we're considering the e-bike. For yourself or for your kids? Well, it has like this uh, the seat where the kids can sit on it. Oh, okay. So it's got like a, your seat, and then it's got like the kids' seat. Um, so yeah, well, maybe we'll get it. Yeah, that's good. So that, but then you can it's it's assisted, so it could just be like normal biking too. So that's good. You yeah, you can go up hills. and then you just and yeah. then you can bike yeah, them yeah. around. Yeah, bike them around. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, that, so that was our, that's our considering. We're considering that upgrade then. There, there was there was one story from the NFL games this weekend that that was really interesting, and it was Josh Dobbs, who's like a very um, intelligent quarterback that got traded from Arizona to uh, he was a starting quarterback in Arizona and he got traded in Minnesota, and because of some injuries to the existing Minnesota quarterback last week and then this week, he was suddenly put into action. And he explained it really good. He's like he's like basically yeah I I I was basically it was like I came in. And they were like, yeah, learn Spanish. We're going to have a test on Sunday. And then when I came to take the, and I never like tried to learn Spanish before. And when I came to take the test, it wasn't just like like Spanish beginner. It was like AP Spanish. Because he like, he was like, literally like, I came in to do this test. I didn't know any of the players' names. I didn't know the playbook. I didn't know anything. And they somehow won the game. Like it was actually like a really cool story about how this like journeyman quarterback won this game without knowing like anything. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> wait, why did he need to know Spanish? No, it's just that he compared it to learning Spanish. Oh, okay. The story is like basically he came in, he got traded. Okay. He didn't know anything oh, about know, the, the playbook, plays. the plays, the team, the so players. He, so he just And he just was pressed into duty. And he was like, just, he was like, they were as, as if they were like, learn Spanish in a few days. Instead of learning, just take a regular Spanish class. Oh, okay. Take AP, AP Spanish. Spanish. Okay. And he was like, it was crazy. But they won the game. It was amazing. It was like one of the better games, that, especially since it was supposed to be like a whatever game. Okay. Is this – I have a sports thing I thought about. I was yeah. going to ask you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's this week. What's this tournament thing in the NBA? Oh, it's a, it's an in-season tournament. In-season, does it just start or something? It just started last week. And so it's a, it's a way for the NBA – I think they basically it, – it's actually pretty controversial. But it's basically – they they started the season last week. And the problem with the NBA, like baseball, is it becomes basically irrelevant for most, like, because football just overshadows all this stuff. They just take all the air. They take all the viewers. And so it's a way that people will talk about the NBA into the November, in, the in, into December. Whereas the most people wouldn't start talking about the NBA until the NFL season ended in February. But this is a way oh, to kind I see of... see, and then you're later in the season, close to the Well, playoffs. yeah, you're getting close to playoffs, and then people start thinking about the NBA. So, but yeah. this is a way to like actually, you know, kind of bite. But it's but it's just like a one game tournament, just like a no. It's like a month long round. I don't even know how it works. It's like some yeah. month long round robin tournament with the final championship game being played in Las Vegas. Oh, okay. And they play on these crazy courts, and I don't know. I, I'm not sure. So I, they haven't fully figured it out. In between regular games, or they no, they regular, count as regular, regular games. games. Oh, they count as regular games, oh, but and they then, count for purposes yes, of the tournament. But they also are in this tournament, some tournament format. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I saw some articles. It, it, it's it's a good idea. I get I give them trying to create yeah. more viewership. Or yeah, I give them I give them something for trying to do that. That's admirable. Yeah, because I said it was something. It was in some ways trying to catch some of that excitement from the NCA. You know, NCA. Oh yeah, it's modeled that way a little way. bit. What, what, that way. But what they're really trying to do is just like get some NFL viewers, and there's and they're going to have the final in Vegas, so okay. that hopefully will become like okay, an event. Okay. Oh, and I think you know what, and I think I also read that in their and their their viewing rights are for sale. Yeah, yes, too. so that's yeah. what they're probably trying to create more. Yes, well, they they need more dollars. reason for why people should watch Pay more Pay because more. the salaries are like crazy now. Got it. Okay. Um, all right, folks, that's a short episode. We're gonna try to do some question and answer this week. Thank you, everyone. Adios. Bye, Bram. <laughs>